passion, everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus. They play football. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, we're a day late. We had a little technical difficulty last night. Let's get in and out before the storm kicks us out. Man, I am so glad that I was able to watch this game on TV and not have the misery of uh, sitting in the stands for 30 minutes waiting for this game to get canceled, man. I'm sure that just had to be brutal. Well, you know what? If you're a statistician, you would say that it was a perfect day because we had brutal heat to start and we had a rain out at the end. So if you average it together, it was a beautiful day. All right, man, whatever, man. I'm just glad I didn't tow the whole family to those extreme ends of the spectrum as far as temperature. But but being at home, I did get to 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 break it down on the DVD and and back it up over and over again and 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 was able to really break down the plays so much better, you know, than you can do in person. And so uh, I'm ready to dive in, man. What 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 caught your eye on offense first that you want to talk about? Well, you know, as a springboard, I'll just say 620 yards. Uh, of total offense. Uh, That's an astounding figure. I know that we were playing Florida Atlantic, but that is one of the all-time, I think that rates number six uh, in the history of the program in terms of uh, yards on a day. So uh, there's something material there beyond just a, uh, a fledgling opponent. No, there is. And uh, you know, that, that speaks to the, to the weapons that this team possesses on the offensive side of the ball. I think that also has a lot to say early on about Lane Kiffin and uh, his yes. choice to to be or his or him and Nick Saban putting him down on the sideline and and really helping you know Blake Sims early on and now Jacob Coker in game two and um, really being a stabilizing force for them on the sideline. I really I really think it's made a big difference. You know, if you want to just park on Kiffin just for half a second, if you count the Oklahoma game in which he was an offensive consultant, we've gone over 500 yards in three consecutive games. Oh, nice. Well, I do know that his thing is about being in the box, you know, when in his days of being a coordinator. Um, you know, he's always been a big fan of that, um, but he was open to, to Saban's suggestion as, as, much as, as most assistant coaches sure. are. And uh, I think that's proven to be the, the right move. Um, you know, I, I want to start on the offensive side of the ball with Blake Sims. You know, we talked a lot about this 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 murky situation that that was developing, but I, I want to start with the positives, and, and I want to say that that Blake did look better to me than he did in game one. Yep. Um, he they they let him complete a few a couple slants across the middle. You know, he he did seem comfortable. I, I like that they're getting them to the line of scrimmage. This. Do I want this no huddle long-term? No. Um, but I like they're getting to the line of scrimmage quickly so that the quarterbacks can see what the defense has given them and they can adjust accordingly. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, I like, uh, you know, the fact that he was 11 of 13, that's, that's pretty darn impressive. Uh, he demonstrated what he could do with his feet, uh, which he certainly, you know, he, he does bring a dynamic there. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I think that's positive. You know, I said last week that, you know, I was eating crow on, uh, on him playing so much and certainly starting. And, uh, you know, I'm finding that uh, I don't like everything that he does, or let me say this better. I don't like the things that he can't do, uh, the fact that he can't do those. But the fact, but the things that he does, he does very well. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, that he's an asset to the team. You know, when Coker came in, the personality of the offense just seemed to change uh, significantly, he was taking strikes down the field. Uh, that's going to reflect itself in uh, completion, you know, completion percentages. Uh, when you throw over longer distances, you're gonna you're gonna miss on uh, on a few more of them. But the personality of the offense, uh, I thought, was uh, was you know starkly different. I'm not a big fan of a two quarterback system, but I can be uh, a fan of a sub package. And I honestly think, and you tell me what you think. 
I wonder if the decision that the coaching staff is making right now is, are we a short passing team with a vertical wrinkle, or are we going to be uh, a vertical team with a short passing uh, and, and running quarterback wrinkle? Uh, I think the coach is one of the latter, but the former seems to be winning out right now. You know, it is, but it's early. Um, you know, I, let, let me let me put your question to the side for a quick second and say that that early on Blake did look better to me. They're still calling a much different game when he's sure. in there. Okay. Sure. And so I, I you know, I mean, of his of his two hundred and twenty-eight yards um on the day, a hundred came from two plays, which were identical plays run to opposite sides of the field. Yeah. With, and so yeah. And then so, you know, fifty-two yards to Cooper and forty eight yards to to Kenyon Drake. Okay. So a hundred yards of his two hundred and twenty-eight came on two basic screen passes to the flats, right? Yeah. So but, so so go ahead. Well, you know, let me just say this, and I don't think you're knocking it, but let, let me just call this out because you know, we threw that that wide receiver, you know, that out power, that uh, you know, that out pattern or that sideline pattern. And we threw it and we threw it and we threw it. And there is a certain mentality that says, you know what, if you're not going to take it away from us, we're going to just continue to do this because, you know, we can clobber you up and down the field with it. But there's but that is a play that you and I have called for. You know, we've been doing this podcast. What this is our fourth or fifth season and we've been calling for it for years. And, and Tommy, back before there was a podcast, back before there was podcasting and you and I were talking football, we used to always wonder. Why don't you just take the talented wide receiver that's at, you know, that's next to the sideline and the DB's playing four or five, you know, six yards off of him? Why don't, and he's on one on one coverage, why don't you just fling the ball out there and see what he can do? And, you know, some fans are, are not happy that we did that so many times uh, against Florida Atlantic, but we did it so many times because it worked. And so why stop going to the well if, if they're not going to defend it? No, I agree. And, um, and go to the hot hand. And, yep. you know, I love the fact that Kenyon Drake was the wrinkle on the left side. Yes. Right. Because of the, because of, because he is the fastest running back and he is the most dynamic. And so, um, I thought that was a, a good way to use his strengths. And I guess to your point, Lane Kiffin appears early on. Okay. It's still early to be better utilizing his full array of depth on the offensive side of the ball than offensive coordinators that have come before him under Saban. Is that fair? Well, with the exception of the tight end, right? I mean, where, where, you know, where tight ends, where have you gone? Yes. Um, well, let, let's touch on that for a quick second. And, and, and then I want to come back to quarterbacks. Sure. You know, I, um, I, I found it interesting, you know, uh, some of the uh, writers for AL.com, you know, they referenced an article about the tight ends and, and, and they talked about Brian Vogler and 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 OJ Howard and comments they made in in the spring and you know they they talked about Kiffin and they talked about how he's going to utilize us and and he's going to spread us out right he's going to put us in the slot and and really create the mismatches and and have us out there in space to uh, to use our athleticism and so you commented in the West Virginia game how many times Brian Vogler was, you know, was spread, you know, was was out there in the in the right uh, slot. Yep. And so the biggest thing for me in game two about the tight end position was kind of like your thing in game one about the running back. You were we were surprised that Derrick Henry right got fed before right Yeldon yep. Yep. coming out of the game. Well, I'm surprised in critical, you know, go-to positions, they're going to the JUCO transfer with the ball, and he's in that spot instead of O.J. Howard. That was my biggest takeaway because, like, on the touchdown that, that you know, that Ardarius almost got the reflection that, that went right through Ty's hands, yep. you know, why, nothing, nothing against him, but why is he running that play instead of O.J.? So I was more surprised. Like I, I wish I could go find a stat and find how many plays each one of them were in the game. That that's my biggest scratch your head is I think they tried to go to the to the tight end. It just wasn't OJ Howard. And and why do you think that is? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was a little bit later in the game. And uh and then so later in the game with the game, you know, kind of decided, 
uh, we were going to go to the tight end wrinkle, and then it just happened to be, you know, our third string tight end that was in the game at that time. You know, I I don't know, but that's a good point. You know, you know, we targeted him uh, at least twice, and then and then he did have a catch, and so I was surprised to see that that was our first reception by a tight end on the season. Uh, and it's funny that uh, you know that it was Ty and not either OJ or Vogler. Well, hey, let's um, let real quick while we're on the tight end position. I do also find it interesting that you and I had talked in the in the preseason right about Brandon Green, right? Yeah. And 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 I don't know if I don't think we touched on this in in the in the week one show very much, but uh, apparently in this in practice this week he 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 was uh, with the tight ends, uh, getting work with them again, and I noticed him on goal line situations as as the third tight end. Uh, which was nice to see because because yep. I thought he did a good job with that last year. Given the given how many freshmen we have that we would like to redshirt in a perfect world, you know, as many as you can, uh, the guys that haven't played yet. Are you surprised that Brandon Green has come back and just been relegated to tight end so quickly? I mean, I'm not saying we don't have more depth now than we did, but. I'm just surprised because, you know, I, I really thought that he'd make a run at, at left tackle, you know, coming into this season. Or are you surprised that that he's been relegated so quickly to a third tight end position again? No, I, I think we need some somebody that can that can demonstrate uh, some blocking ability at, at that position. So I'm not altogether surprised. You know, Dakota Ball was making the transition and and still kind of working through that. So you know, I'm not I'm not that surprised that we have a converted you know, tackle out there, uh, you know, claiming some snaps at that, at that position, especially in a goal line position or setting where you really are just another, you are really just another lineman. Oh, sure. I just, I just, when the second team offensive line comes in, I I wish, I wish he, you know, we talked in the spring, right. About (laughs) what our second string offensive line looked like then. And I just still think he could he could make an impact at, at that, you know, along that front somewhere at some point. Hey, jumping back to quarterback for a quick second, while I think Blake did look good, to answer your original question, I do think that we are calling a different game when he's in there than we did when, when Coker came in, right? Sure, sure. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, we've talked in the past about, you know, if a running back is a good pass-catching running back, right? Well, the guy that can't catch the ball when he's in the game, the defense knows you're not throwing him the ball, right? Because he yep. can't catch in the flats. And so I, I, I found it interesting. You know, I was glad to see Coker so much. I guess my first thing to you is I'm really surprised the way they did that rotation because Blake Sims came in for the first three drives. Um, he played well. We get three straight touchdowns. And then Jacob Coker comes in the game. And Blake Sims only played one more series the entire football game, and it was the start of the second half, which which Coach Saban told the sideline reporter of ESPN coming you know to the locker room he was going to do it that way. So you know they gave Coker a big audition in this game. Sure, you know he he had lots of series, and he was in the pistol, and he was in the shotgun, and he was under center, and he was you know four wides, three wides, five wides, trips. I mean, it's almost like they said, okay, we're, <laughs> this is the perfect storm, right? We're putting you out there in all these kind of situations and, and, and see what you do. What, what was your initial take on, uh, on how he performed in, in that broad you know, uh, body of work? Well, I thought he performed well. And even though it's the team's second game of the year, really that's his first game. And so we've had, you know, we've played two games and we've had two quarterbacks first game. And so if he demonstrates the improvement between his first and second game that Sims demonstrated between his first and second game, then we may see uh, a lot more good stuff out of Coker, you know, come this weekend. I'll tell you what is compelling, though, when you think about, you know, Sims running a, uh, a, a scaled down offense and then you step through all the variables that Coker played with. Kind of makes you wonder, huh? It does make me wonder, and that's why I phrased it to you that way. You know, I was very impressed with what I saw from Coker, okay? Uh, Blake Sims really did well from game one to game two. That is is absolutely the case. 
But Jake, Jacob Coker came in, right? And he was four of 10, David, out of the gate. Okay? Mm-hmm. Four out of 10. He finished the game having done, completed 15 of 24 passes. So that means he started the game at four out of 10 and overthrew a couple balls, but he finished the game 11 out of his last 14, completing yeah. 79% of those passes. Yeah, and so some of those passes nerve, were nerve. down the field. I used to, Once his nerves kind of settled down, Yes, uh, and he got into the the rhythm or flow of the game. He performed, you know, much better. That eleven for fourteen is very comparable to, you know, obviously the eleven of thirteen that Sims had on the day. You know, if if you discount, you know, his nerves on on his first few passes. So that's, you know, that's. Uh, I, I think that m- makes a compelling point. And you know, he he scored a touchdown, and uh, you know, or, or threw for a touchdown. Had some strong carries. I uh, thought lowered his shoulder once and and really just knocked a defender back. Yeah, I think those are the things that, you know, everyone looks at sort of the bottom line stats and say, well, Sims had a better day and uh, Coker, you know, overthrew over some receivers, wasn't as crisp. Uh, and and so there's all the hype that, you know, well, I guess, you know, Saban's going to come out and declare Sims the, the winner. But I, I think when you break it down with this little, not a lot more, but just you peel away some of the layers and you look at, you know, what Coker was able to do. I do think it's impressive. I think Sims is impressive, but uh, I think, you know, going vertical, stretching the field, all the things that we're, that we know, we know that we're going to have to do in the SEC. Uh, I think Coker brings more of that to the table and uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think they'll both continue to have a role. Uh, I just think before, uh, before we get too much further here into the season, it'll be clear that it's no longer a competition, but it is a, uh, you know, a primary offense with a sub package. Oh, sure. No, no, absolutely. I, I think that is, I think that is absolutely the case. And one, one other thing that I want to touch on, on the offensive side of the ball real quick is just the play of Chris Black and our Darius Stewart. Yeah. I know the I know the headlines of Mari Cooper. I know Lane Kiffin you know, Lane Kiffin at USC was all about highlighting one wide receiver, right? And Lane Kiffin blows up the stats, okay? In the last two years, one wide receiver has had ridiculous stats at USC. And yep. so is Amari Cooper going to be that guy this year? Of course he is. Sure. Um, I don't know if they're – it's, it's interesting. It's almost like that's his his hallmark, right? That's That, that kind of puts the stamp on it that this was Lane Kiffin's offense maybe. But – I just want to touch on Chris Black and, and our Darius Stewart because these guys are getting brought in. You know, I, I guess I mean our Darius Stewart is is being brought in and and showing he's running some good patterns and he's showing some some good physicality. But Chris Black and Cam Sims are being brought in to play the role of the blocking wide receiver for these screen passes to Amari Cooper that go fifty yards, and they're coming in and being very physical. And they're getting a lot of run with the ones because they're willing to do the the nitty gritty, and so I'm just really excited about the depth that I'm seeing at wide receiver. Well, and depth is the key word. That's where I was going to go because you know we know that DeAndre White was out for this game, and uh, Christian Jones got a little dinged up, and so the fact that you know next up is Ardarius Stewart and uh, Chris Black. God, that's a lot of talent to have. You know, as as really your your what is it your fourth and fifth? Um, and Cam Sims would be your sixth, sixth yeah. right? Yeah, and, and so, that you still do your six hundred yards of offense, and right? You, you still you do your six hundred yards of offense. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, the Kiffin stamp on Amari Cooper. You know, look, twenty five catches for three hundred nineteen yards uh, across his his first two games. I think it is Kiffin's objective to set every offensive receiving record with uh, Amari Cooper this season. That's and and we're well on the way for that happening. Well, it's almost like he knows this is a good year to do it, right? Yep. And it takes nothing away from Cooper. I'm taking nothing away from oh, his no. talent, okay? No. I will tell you very quickly on Coker's ball that just went over the arms of our Darius Stewart a tiny bit, mm-hmm. okay? He has a young receiver. I think he, you know, misjudged Coker's arm on that play. I don't think Coker overthrew him. I think he hesitated a little bit. Yes. I think if Cooper's on that pattern, it's a touchdown. 
Yep. And he looks like a hero because he because he had the arm strength to throw over double coverage. I thought he broke the route off just a yes. hair. Yes, he and, did. Uh, and nobody's talking about that. David. No one is talking about. No that. one's talking about that. In the stadium, and and they looked at me like I was silly. But uh, but I think he cut off his route just barely a little bit. I, I honestly do. But uh, we're gonna see a big. We're gonna see a Coker Cooper connection that's gonna be a wow factor before the season's over. It's gonna oh, be a sixty-five yard bomb. Yeah, without without question. Hey, I've got a comment on Drake. We talked about Henry getting the first carry over Yeldon last week. Uh, Drake got the first carry over Henry. Uh, it was behind Yeldon, but it's kind of interesting to see the interplay there. He had uh, he had really the best day of all three of the running backs, and of course he caught that touchdown. I just have to I have to ask the question. You know, uh, Drake must think that the view is so much better outside of the doghouse, right? Oh man, he he definitely must. And uh, I've been going and looking at pictures of practice to see how he's holding the footballs, and he's still not holding them as high as Derek. But he definitely has raised up his elbows a little bit. I think we have Kiffin to thank for not for Drake's resurgence, but maybe for his attitude and uh, his finding a way out of the doghouse and into the offensive game plan. I think we have Kiffin to thank for that. Oh, it's it, it it's very possible that that's the case. Hey, um, I do like the fact that we that we exploited their weaknesses. They had some depth issues in the secondary due to injuries coming into the game. And so back to your point of, you know, the, the, uh, the TV commentators uh, brought this up several times. They were like, you know, they're going to kind of like your comment, if you can't stop it, I'm going to keep doing it, right? Teams in the past for us, we might not have pulled that scab back and kept pouring salt in it. And, I mean, they're getting a million dollars. I don't feel any, you know, I don't feel sorry for, for, sure. for their program. I, my point is, is that we saw this game and said, guess what? TJ, you're only getting seven carries. Derrick Henry, you're only getting five. And Drake, you're only getting six because we don't need you to get any more than that. Well, if they had empty, you know, if they had double teamed and, uh, you know, went to a nickel or went to a dime and tried to stop some of that passing, then, you know, that effectively would have softened the box and we would have run a lot more. So if you're not, you know, we're going to run these plays because we want you to get out of the box. You're not going to get out of the box. We're going to keep running these plays. Oh sure. Oh sure. We're not going to go to step two if you're not going to if you're not going to respond to step one, right? So I, you know, the fact that uh, that we continued to go over there, it, it was almost comical that that we kept doing it and having such success. But you know, we'll we'll keep doing it if if teams will let us. No, absolutely. Hey, anything else on offense uh, before we uh, flip the field? Yeah, I want to talk uh, just real quickly about the offensive line. Uh, you know, we had Bradley Bozeman come in at center for Ryan Kelly while the starters were still out there. Uh, and so if you take, you know, Bozeman, and, you know, playing with the starters, you know, Grant Hill played with the starters some last year. So if you take that and then you take Alphonse uh, Taylor and Leon Brown, you know, rotating, that gets you up to eight starter quality linemen. And then I promise you, I think uh, Dominic Brown is about, or Dominic Jackson's about to to break through with the ones. That gives you right at eight or nine uh, front line starters. I think that's pretty darn impressive. And uh, you kind of called me on this on the in the preseason show, but uh, you know, do you see who was uh, man in the left guard uh, position in the second team? Oh yes, I did. <laughs> so I thought that was a Tommy special. <laughs> Uh, with Isaac uh, Isaac Latou out there with the second team, so good for him. Definitely glad to see that. But uh, you know, we you know we, that's very that and that's very telling, real quick, right? Because we do have some 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 big recruits that came in here that with this other depth that's being demonstrated, you know, they're like a a kid at Christmas, right? You know, the coaching staff is saying, "Man, man, can we really keep some red shirts here?" Because you know, coming into this recruiting class and the push they made for offensive line, they didn't anticipate this other that you're describing. No, but I'll tell you what, if you know what it demonstrates to me, and and so you're right, hats off to Isaac Latua for for taking full advantage of that opportunity. Uh, but uh, you know, if the podcast is a drinking game, then you know, then drink up because to me, this is roster management all over again. You know, we talk about uh, Ross Piercebacher uh, getting snaps in practice at the second team left tackle 
let's slide Dominic Jackson if he's healthy. Uh, let him be the backup tackle, and we can create some additional separation between these two freshmen, uh, true freshmen at the at this tackle spot. So we may still try to redshirt uh, Pierschbacher. Uh, yes. Interesting to see, but uh, I think there's a little bit of roster management going on there. So you know, kind of we'll we'll see certainly how that plays out. But you know, one thing that just impresses me is you know we can we can pound our chest about having you know all of this depth. Uh, and, you know, talk about this recruiting class. But when you actually see it on the field and we're seeing guys contribute as starters with the starters, you know, not a wholesale line change, but we're just testing different parts to give them experience kind of along the way, that tells me, man, we really do have some depth along the line. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, give, hey, me, um, give me your mini game ball on offense. You know, I – I, I was I was torn between two, but I'm gonna steal your thunder and do our Darius Stewart. You know, this is a uh this is a nice headline when you can be the second wide receiver behind Amari Cooper. You know, three catches for sixty-three yards on the day, his long going forty yards. You know, had he connected on that on that big other pass, he could have easily broke a hundred yards yep. for the for the game, right? And so um I just like his combination of size and speed. And uh he's not afraid to go across the middle. And uh, he's not afraid to do the the dirty work and block, and uh, so I think um, I think he's gonna I think he, I think he's gonna enjoy being the fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receiver, and and what that allows him to do as far as matchup opportunities. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Who, who's your guy? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out Tommy, and I'm gonna kind of break the mini the mini game ball mold, Uh-oh. but uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna give my mini game ball to the person. Not the football player, but the person that is Blake Sims. Uh, he knows that, you know, obviously he's a fifth-year senior. He's done everything that he possibly can uh, to contribute to the team. He's been a running back. He's been a scout team quarterback. He's been he's played safety. Uh, he's played wide receiver. He's done everything that he could. You know, he came to Alabama wanting the chance to, to at least compete for quarterback. And so we've kind of – honored that through his career and, and here he is now and he's in this competition we bring in this guy we do everything to cut, sort of kick dirt on him and literally you and I probably do that you know did that a little bit as well but when Coker completes his uh you know his first uh touchdown pass who's the first person off the bench down the sideline uh congratulating him uh none other than Blake Sims so uh you know Blake Sims uh in himself when he was interviewed he gave his performance a B minus uh, and so a lot of people would uh, uh, would have been a little more boastful on the day that he put out there. But I think he recognizes that while he is contributing, he has a lot more that he can do. And uh, I just like the mentality that he's bringing uh, to that position. Uh, my respect for Blake Sims has certainly grown. No, I, I did notice that uh, watching at home, how he came over with a big smile on his face and, and ready to uh, to shake his hand. So that was awesome. Yep. Hey, uh, tell me about defense, man. Um, you know, I, I want to tee you up here. And and uh, did you notice uh, C.J. Mosley was out there in the game? <laughs> I, I didn't. I did not realize he had another year of eligibility. And uh, we, how we he had, balanced that with the Baltimore Ravens was p- pretty impressive. We did have we did have a streak in thirty two, didn't we? Man, uh, we we we. You know, come on, man. Let me let me pat you on the back here. You you talked a little Rashawn Evans. We missed out on some of the opportunity to do what we love, right? Which is see the, which is to see the backup guys when the yes. when the game got when the game got shortened and yes, I was you, you probably I was had miffed. to be one of the few pissed off people in the stands that you know let me sit here in the pouring rain and and watch me some Rashawn Evans, right? I, that and 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 the players, you know, getting into the third team. I honestly would have, you know, I was there with family and they kind of thought I was nuts, anyways. And uh, I would have stood in the rain and uh, and watched the the rest of the rotation because there were some interesting things that we saw in the rotation, but uh, there were definitely some guys that, that I wanted to see. But but Evans was was very impressive. It's it's funny kind of the interviews. Uh, his teammates are calling him the freak. Uh, I think that's you know I think that's potentially appropriate. Uh, the one thing he's got to do is uh, he's got to not walk away from the play when uh, you know before the officials call the uh, you know blow the whistle. Kirby helped him. Kirby helped him see that on yeah. the on the TV. He pointed up to the uh, he pointed up to the to the jumbotron for him. Yes, yes, he did. He did. Uh, he did do that. Now, now the quarterback was down. His knee had gone down, but 
but they the officials didn't see that upon uh, until the replay anyways and so if he had shaken loose you know that would have been a uh, you know a much more you know ugly scene but i bet you he doesn't do that again no i bet you he i bet you he does not do that again and what, what and it was only one play right but but what you know what really struck out for me i think i think jonathan allen was quoted as saying that you know he got his first sack in game 12 last year right Yep. And and this guy's tasted this in in, in game two, um, just really the speed off the edge. You know, I, I don't want to anoint him the the next Derek Thomas by any you know means. No, no. It's one that's just the first name that popped in my head sure. in that in that respect. But the speed that he brought off the edge in that play was was stuff we haven't seen a lot of here, right? And 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 that's what's exciting to me is. <laughs> Is is the uh, the thought of him as a as a uh, very fast rabbit rusher um, really uh, brings a smile to my face in situational packages three or four games three or four plays a year against the likes of an LSU. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be uh, I think he's going to be uh, a power force. What did you think overall? And and this you know we played Florida Atlantic, so that may be a little difficult difficult to measure because. And, and they were without their quarterback. And so, you know, it's easy to think that they're not going to have uh, a prolific offensive day just anyways. Uh, and so it may be kind of hidden uh, behind that. But I, th- I thought our defense was much more smooth uh, and much more effective with uh, Trader Priest back at the middle linebacker spot. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give my nod to Eddie Jackson at a corner and Gino at, uh, at the money. Let me let me let me touch on Trey DePriest real quick if I can with you before we before sure, we go sure. to secondary. Yeah, pick one. I, I, I was I was obviously there wasn't so much of of people, you know, screaming at each other right before the play was the ball was snapped. Obviously, West Virginia had, you know, a veteran quarterback, right, with a with a group of veteran wide receivers. I was surprised to see that there was at least four or five times that Reggie Raglan actually gestured to trade a priest that they needed to flip which side they were on. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, is that in the, in the quotes after the game, he talked about, you know, Trey was out there and better communication, et cetera, and yep. took the pressure off of us. I think not only did it take the pressure off of Reggie Raglan and allow him to play faster, but he gained confidence as the game wore on and and he started taking back some of the play calling or sharing like like me yes. me I know that you know teacher I know the answer as the game wore on and and that's what I noticed at the linebacker position when that's what we want out of him right because you know because you know part of this and this is how you know how much of a wonk I am on this stuff you know Deprice is going to be gone next year and I'm already yes. sorry it's only game two slow down Osmond but yes uh, but you know for a little bit. Yeah, let's get him comfortable, uh, you know, in in that role and in that capacity, even while uh, while DePriest is there. Uh, I, you know, I think that's good. But yeah, Ragland played with a lot more confidence, and uh, we didn't see a lot of Reuben Foster. I mean, was, he he didn't get a lot of run. I mean, obviously he came in later, but I, I was surprised that they didn't interchange them more for the reason you're talking about. I would have liked to have seen let's play some Reuben with DePriest, let's play some Ragland with DePriest. And, and do some of it that way. Yeah, I think we we uh, we definitely wanted to get you know a lot of the priest in and get him some reps, uh, but we played a lot of nickel and uh, and we played a lot of dime too. And so you know that's hard to it's hard to you know you get less opportunity out of your middle linebacker spot when you're playing so many uh, so many DBs. But you know we got two guys out there that uh, that I was calling for as starters from the beginning. You know Eddie Jackson, uh, I thought made a, a contribution there at corner. And uh, Gino back in at uh, at the star position. Uh, I enjoyed seeing both of those guys back on the field. Oh sure, and 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 Nick Saban made sure he he quote he he talked after the game about uh, his defense needs to learn to wrap up. So just like you talked about Rashawn Evans, I, I would I would guess that Eddie Jackson is getting some tackling opportunities in practice this week. Yes. So that he actually takes his arms and wraps them around the player's legs as opposed to just tries to knock them down with his shoulder. Yeah. Um, because the play he made behind the line of scrimmage, okay, 
early in the game was a nice physical play. And if he just finishes that by grabbing him by the legs and driving him into the ground, oh, man, that puts a bow on it, as you like to say, yeah. right? Yep. And so um, one play that uh, – let me let me touch on secondary this way. You know how we said in the West Virginia game that they they kept just two wide receiver sets to keep Geno off the field? Yes. Well, this coaching staff did not watch that film <laughs> because they played three and four wides the majority of the game which kept Gino on the field the whole game. Yep. And and if I'm them, I'm thinking, "Uh, how can we keep him off the field, right?" They they played into our hand there uh to, you know, which I'm sure you were happy to see. Yeah, I, I really really was. And and we played uh I wouldn't say a lot, but you know, we we saw quite a bit of of dime, and I thought it was interesting when when we would play the dime, you know, one of the, one of the money or the or the star, you know, they if there's a slot receiver, they may have, you know, kind of line up on the slot. But they both kind of walked up and uh, and almost assumed outside linebacker positions, and so I thought that was neat to see a dime with uh, because because we had Jabril Washington as the as the as the starter at dime, and I thought that was very interesting, which makes sense. And you know somebody's got to step up and play that position because it was Geno, and so he stepped up now to start at star. Someone's got to be the starter at uh, at uh, at money. And so I, I was interesting to me that it was Jabril, but it was interesting to see, you know, Jabril and Gino, you know, flanking a middle linebacker and almost giving us a four, three look with a standard, you know, four DBs behind it. But two of the, two of those linebackers are corners. Oh, sure. And, and you're reading my notes here because I, I did want to make sure we talked about Jabril because he looked very comfortable, right? They didn't they didn't ask him to do too much, right? They didn't ask him to do man-on-man coverage. He was just he was doing zone help. What did you What did you think of the fact that uh, when Gina was covering the slot, okay, and and stayed over by the slot, I love that he was that that they were bringing him on blitzes. Yes, and yes. and I knew you would like that. That is, you know that that's that's a that's a place where I think he adds a lot of value. I was I was happy to see that that he was that guy. Give me your thoughts on when Eddie, you know, you've got your boundary corner right and you've got your field corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it interesting in his first game back from his knee injury that Eddie Jackson was on the boundary corner on an island by himself, two yards in front of the wide receiver, daring them to beat him over the top. And Gino was typically on the side with Cyrus on the field side. No, my, my point is Cyrus is a guy that's had more run, right? He's been able to practice more because he didn't get hurt in a day game. You would have expected Eddie to be over there with Gino to help and Cyrus by himself. And instead, Eddie was the one on the island. Well, it, you know, I, you, we could theorize on that. I, you know, I think I wanted that, you to do that. I want you to do that. I, 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 it doesn't surprise me that he's the guy on the island. I, what do you, why do you think they did that? Well, I think his upside at the position is is better than is, is better than Cyrus. The fact that he's out there, he's clear to play. You know, Saban said, you know, the, you know, the first couple of weeks of camp, he was, you could tell he was a little tentative. Uh, the last couple of weeks of camp, and you know, Saban said that you know the days and you know, like the last ten days, you know, even heading into the uh, West Virginia game, that he just really saw, you know, Eddie turn a corner, and of course, you know, he was fully cleared to play. I think let's put him out there against a team that really at the end of the day is not going to hurt us and let's see what he's got. And uh, let's see if they take shots at him and uh, let's see what he does in, in a, in a high pressure test situation. Uh, that would be my, that would be my thought on, on that. Let's put him out there and, you know, cause we've seen Cyrus be picked on and, and he quick, wasn't, and he was in this game as well. He was in this game and we've seen him. I uh, know we can talk about, you know, the officials beat him, but uh, you know, I don't think the opponent beat him, and so we've seen him acquit himself well, you know, in, in being attacked. And I think we wanted to bait the hook a little bit, and let's let's see if they'll attack Eddie Jackson, and let's see, you know, let's see what we've got there. That might definitely be the case. I just I, I wanted I definitely wanted your 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 thoughts on that. Just real quick, because there's a lot of DB uh, bites to take here. Um, we also saw saw uh, Samari Smith. You know, he he got some play there when we brought in the backups. But I'm just going to tell you, I'll make a couple here predictions in, after game two. You know, Tony Brown got to come in, right? 
and, yep. and he and he got to he got to come in for for Eddie, and um, you know, I I, I really think that um, uh, what we've talked about at the quarterback position is going to play itself out with Tony Brown. I I I really see that by season's end, if what we saw in this game is you know plays itself out over the season, I wouldn't be surprised. If we see our three cornerback look that Saban loves being Tony Brown, Geno Smith, and Eddie Jackson by the time we get into the meat of the schedule. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that, you know, in, in the least. Uh that's what I forecasted as as the starters at those respective positions, you know, giving Geno the star. That's what that's what I forecasted at those uh respective positions. I would not at all be surprised uh if if that's what we see. Uh, I think Cyrus has played better than maybe I expected. But, yes, uh, I think the upside that uh, that Tony Brown brings, I think, is impressive. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how that competition continues to to play itself out because Cyrus has done nothing to lose the position, and so no, you know, I think Sylvie did. I think Sylv did do something to lose the position. I don't yes. think Cyrus has, and so the competition will be fierce. But there will be competition, and I think when it's all said and done, Tony Brown will be on the field. Well, I had, I had, you know, I had predicted that we might see two true freshmen, depending on how Eddie Jackson comes back from this injury. Sure. And and now with all the with now it, it once again early body of work, but um, Marlon Humphrey might be seeing a red shirt. Which how many how many programs can say we're going to take the number two cornerback in the country and we're going to red shirt him? Well. Wow. <laughs> Do I use the term again? I mean, I think it would be a good idea. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, roster management, right? Hey, one more quick thing here that I uh, I got to get your take on. You know, we didn't get to see as much of this run because of the lightning, but when the backups came in, guess who else I saw besides C.J. Mosley? Tell me who you saw. I saw Mark Barron. You saw Mark Barron. His name is Hootie Jones. Boy, he was only out there a few plays, and obviously the biggest challenge is going to be getting the defense down, but he looks like a young Mark Barron. He runs like a deer. He closes very fast, and and he's got a physical presence with how he's playing the game. And so there was a couple times where he was 15 yards off the ball, and he closed and got the guy at the line of scrimmage. And I was like, wow. I mean, the quarterback. The quarterback thought he could throw the ball in the flat to the running back, and the next thing you know, Hootie's on him, and he can't throw the ball there. He is fast and he's big. What really strikes me when he's on the field is, uh, <clears throat> you know, I you know I like the reference to Barron, uh, a a little bit of you know you know a little bit of Barron, a little bit of Landon Collins, where just the size that they're bringing to that position is is really is really something to see. He's six two two twenty, yeah. And and I, I'm just saying that it, the reason I use the Mark Barron analogy because obviously Mark Barron played linebacker at, at St. Paul High School. This guy's got a linebacker body, and um, this guy's going to be something. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this guy some making some plays before this year's over. Yeah, he's just a couple. You know what is Landon Collins two twenty five two twenty six. So you know they're in the same neighborhood. You don't see many two you know DBs in the two twenties. Well, dude, like we talked about, right? How many teams are playing starting linebackers at that at right. that size? Exactly. Yeah, those could be, you know, darn some pretty fast linebackers. But uh, you know, yeah, we've, you know, what is it, Juwan Garth and, and players like that? We've we played with linebackers that were, you know, you know, two ten. Oh, sure. And, and and where I'm going with this, and this is taking nothing away from Jabril Washington, right? We were talking about last week. Why didn't we run more dime? And we talked about, you know, who would be that guy sitting next to the linebacker. Yep. We could see that being Hootie Jones by the end of the season. Yeah. In in certain dime situations, potentially. Especially depending on how Jarrett Williams comes back. Yeah. And the way they're talking about Williams, they're talking about him being out at least four weeks. You know, we hope he can come back in four weeks. Yeah. That sounds like six weeks to me. It does, and I'm just excited that we've got you know, that Eddie. 
you know, Eddie Jackson, uh, Saban said in his press conference, and I don't know if you heard this, and I can't remember what he called the 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 machine or technology called, but now they have some yes. equipment where they can analyze the the burst even on their cuts and stuff, and they can they can quantify that their burst is is where it was or or ahead of where it was before their injury, and that's how they're able to clear them medically to come back. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool stuff. I'm going to be a little bit silly here, but would it surprise you? Would it surprise you one day to learn that 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 device is called the Sabinator, and that that Coach Saban has the patent on that? I mean, would that surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me, but I, maybe we should try to go ahead and and put in for a patent now. You know, <laughs> I mean, we might as well go ahead and reap the rewards off of this now. But I just thought that was so cool that they have technology where they can assess the burst, you know, and quantify that burst instead of just looking at them on the field, they can, they can put some numbers behind it. Sure. I thought that was kind of cool. Hey, um, anything else on defense before we do mini game balls? Nah, give me your mini game ball. Mm, it, 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 it's really tough here, man. It's, uh, it's, there, there's so many guys that, that, that we've just sit here and mentioned that it really can go to a host of guys and we didn't even cover all of them. I, I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna have to give it to the to the headliner. I'm gonna have to give it to Eddie Jackson. I'm gonna try to steal your boy again. I tried to steal him on offense and you went somewhere else with it. You know, I know I know you got the love fest with Eddie Jackson. The guy just came back and and showed some of what he did at the end of the season in the Oklahoma game. And um I'm just, you know, welcome back. Glad you're here. Yeah, I, hats off to that. I, I can certainly salute that pick. I, I'm gonna go and it is tough on defense because we played so many guys and so many guys did something that, you know, that was compelling. Uh, you know, part of me wants to go Jonathan Allen because, I, you know, I think he he did really good. You know, I like what Ryan uh, Anderson brought to the table. But I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the guy that, uh, you know, if you go back and listen to our preseason show, I really wrote the guy off. Uh, and that's Jabril Washington. You know, I, I made the comment and and, you know. As I was watching the game, you know, my own quote came back to haunt me. Uh, I remember saying that, you know, looking at the list of defensive backs, that I get all the way down to Jabril Washington before I question, you know, whether a guy's going to contribute and play. And then here he is, you know, starting at uh, at the dime. And so, and I get starting at the dime is different than starting, you know, another position. But right, because we don't bring the dime. But somebody's got to be that guy. Somebody's got to be the guy that you know, when, when they call the dime that, you know, he's the guy that we put out there. And, and I do think Saban fosters, you know, starters at different levels, you know, for that reason. And so the fact that he's been given uh, the opportunity to, to step out there uh, in, in that capacity, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that. And, and I thought he played reasonably well. He had a pass breakup, he had a tackle, you know, those, those are just some individual numbers, but uh, to do that at, at a dime position that we don't play a whole lot speaks to him having, you know, his ratio of impact per snap is, would be pretty high. No, absolutely. And and I just have to give my two cents on Jonathan Allen before we, before we step away to special teams, because there was a couple plays where he split two uh, blockers on the line to put pressure on the quarterback. And now that he's put 25 pounds on that frame and he's pushing 270 plus, I, I'm liking what he's bringing to the table for for a guy who really hasn't played that many games uh, in an Alabama uniform right now. Uh, take nothing away from you know the guys he's playing with, right? Take nothing away from Ashawn Robinson. Take nothing away from Petway, who I think is uh, doing pretty well game yep. two. Yep. You know you're not you're not you're not highlighting anything DJ's not doing, right? It's just interesting that. Dude, it's like a candy store, man. There's Xavier Dixon and there's Ryan Anderson and there's Denzel Duvall and Dalvin Tomlinson. Are you kidding? And, and oh, by the way, guess who didn't get to play much because we played the nickel and dime? Just the number one player in the nation last year, Deshaun Hand. He didn't even play that much, man. It's just, it's scary, man. It just gets me so excited. Well, I, you know, look, we said this before and, and I stand by this. This defense is going to be impressive. And there are some commentators, you know, some talking heads that have kind of already written off the the defense. You know, we've seen Alabama struggle against these passing attacks. Yep, 
West Virginia, you know, these hurry up passing attacks. Yep. West Virginia is already, you know, doing it again. And so, you know, the Auburn and Oklahoma game, and then you pair that with uh, the West Virginia. Yep. We know what this defense is and we know what it isn't. And, you know, this team is going to struggle throughout the season. That may well be true, but there's an opportunity for those dots not to connect by the time we get midseason. Oh, absolutely, man. We 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 have the potential. If it wasn't for a little depth at linebacker, we we you know, well, it's very possible by the end of the season the the way the the way the cornerback uh, position could play out, we could almost start two first team units on defense. Sure. Sure, we could do hockey line rotations. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, give me some special teams, man. We didn't get to talk about the punter because he didn't even get to punt a ball, man. Yeah, is it wrong that I'm rooting for us to have to punt every once in a while? Yes, it is. is. Well, it is in theory wrong, but this is the way you and I do things, and he needs to be punting a couple times a game. So in a tight game in LSU, he's at least punted the ball 10 times before we get there. Yeah, and that's true, right? Part of me is selfish. I just want to see it. And, and you're right. Part of it, he, he, you know, he, needs, he needs the game snaps. But, uh, but, you know, Griffith I thought was impressive. You know, he was two for two, uh, you know, on those embarrassing uh, field goals. Like, you know, like you said, and then Cyrus had a big punt return. Uh, I thought that was, uh, you know, that was impressive as well. You know, I didn't see anything that was, you know, I guess that punt return. Nothing really wowed me in special teams, but nothing was wrong with special teams. And probably that's the message that I was most pleased with. Oh, absolutely. And and take Adam Griffith's last field goal, right, with 12 minutes left in the game. It's pouring rain at that point. Yes, yes. And he kicks the ball like it's bright and sunny. Yes, that is a good point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean – when he came out, right, and I know it's pouring, and you can even tell on TV it's coming down in sheets. I'm not thinking just in game two that he's even going to miss, right? right? And so here he is, six, you know, five out of five at this point, and and just the 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 comfort level I had when he came in the game. Hey, on on special teams, I do want to point out a couple of plays, and, sure. and first of all is Chris Black. Chris yeah, Black, right? You're uh, right. They they had a very weird formation with their with their punt coverage team where they did that that dorky let's all spread out which I just think looks all stupid, and so we had to spread out because they were spread out. Sure. Well, Chris Black was over the center right, and his lovely job at the snap is to haul tail forty five yards in a mad sprint back there so he can be a gunner, and I don't know why we're doing that in the punt formation this year. But um, he had to do that several times and did a really good job of it. And right. so here he is just hauling tail and hustling and doing the little things. And um, besides what I t- said on offense, here he is on, on special teams doing a very difficult job, in my opinion, and utilizing his size, you know, his small stature, but his speed yep. uh, to bring it. Yep. And uh, the other is just Rashawn Evans. You know, I wasn't going to talk uh, too much about him on, on defense because I was going to save it for special teams. And, you know, I don't know if we mentioned last week that he got the first tackle of oh, special teams of the season. Yes. Did we, did we mention that? I don't remember, but, yeah, he did. So then, you know, here he is, uh, and, and he gets two more tackles to uh, in this game. And, um, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of the, you know, he's bringing the lumber, right, the, the same way you know, that, that we have, that we, that we came accustomed to see from some guys in the past that, that just give it everything and, and, and come down and, and make that big play. And so his performance stood out of, uh, for me on kickoff coverage. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I definitely give them that. We like to have the guys that, uh, you know, they can lay some wood on, uh, on, on the kick returns. So, uh, I'm glad, you know, we knew that we would find somebody. There's just too much talent on the team, not for there not to be. But, uh, yeah, it's always fun to kind of see who who emerges in that role. Hey, one more thing on punt coverage real quick. When they did that little formation where they spread out like crazy, I was surprised that all the guys we had out there were all in the skill position. We didn't even have any C.J. Mosley type of guys. You know, remember how I was critical last week that Reuben Foster and Reggie Ragland was on the punt coverage, yep. right? They were protecting yep. the punter. Well, here we are you know, receiving the punt and everybody out there was Derek Henry and cornerbacks and safeties and wide receivers. I mean, 
there was no big guys out there, which I thought that was interesting how we were how we were playing that. Well, they shanked one really early, and and there may have been a thought that says we don't know where this goes, this ball's going. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Well, hey, give me give me your thoughts on uh, on Southern Miss. You know, Saban said in his press conference that you know this is a this is a team that that likes to. Uh, that likes to throw the ball around, that likes to have the four wides and, and five wides. And so uh, we're going to get – it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what kind of secondary look we bring to this formation. Yeah, and I'm uh, good. I, you know, I say it again, good. I'm glad that uh, that they're going to try to uh, attack us in that way because uh, we, you know, let's get the reps uh, against it. And surely they're going to be better than Florida Atlantic was. And so maybe they'll give us a little bit more of a, of a look. Uh, and a little bit more uh, of a challenge, and so you can kind of tell, even in the way that our, our answer to the question, I don't, I don't see this game, you know, as a contest. Uh, it might be, you know, forty-eight to ten, uh, something in that ballpark. I'd like to get up over fifty uh, if we could, so maybe fifty-four to to ten or something in that in that ballpark. Uh, that, I think that's where I would go. Well, I I am intrigued by. I'm just so glad they're bringing this look, like you said. Right, because from what Saban said, this is the closest thing to what Texas A and M runs. Sure, and and this head coach was had been the coordinator at Oklahoma State, right? And we know what Oklahoma State does, and so in their starting formation, they don't even have. Excuse me, let me back up. They don't have a tight end listed on their two deep on offense. They their starting eleven is one running back and four wides. Okay, so. So I just I think this will be fun to see, you know, who we have to start the game. It'll probably be the Geno, Eddie Jackson, Cyrus Jones, right? But um, it'll be interesting to see who that fourth cornerback is off the bench if if we bring a fourth corner. But apparently the quarterback has only played in four or five games uh, at the end of his freshman year. But in their last in their bowl game, he threw for like five touchdowns, four hundred yards, and so he can sling the ball around. And so um, I do think that I'll be a little bit closer on this score than I was last week. Uh, I, I gave uh, I gave West, you know, I, I, I gave Florida Atlantic uh, probably a little bit too much credit and probably our defense not enough credit. But I do think that that they're going to score, you know, probably 13 to 16 points. Okay. Um, I, I, I could see I could see something of a 42 16 type of ball game. OK. That, that'll be interesting. It will be interesting to see, you know, how we come out. You know, I think, you know, clearly we're going to come out in the nickel. I think that's almost a given. But if we go early to the dime, it it, it will be interesting to see uh, if, you know, we see Jabril, Jabril out there in the first quarter. Uh, that He's typically not the kind of player that we've seen in the, in the first quarter. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, when he's out there, when, when we convert to a dime. Uh, if they're going to run four wides uh, for a lot of the day, then uh, I would say we're going to see some nickel and dime. Which know, is just what we need, right? That's what we need. Sure. Like you said. So that and, that's but, awesome. Yeah, what that allows us to do then, because we're still trying to figure out the cornerback position, well, heck, that gives us an opportunity to put three or four of them out on the field. And uh, we give them all reps at once. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I will say that um, I, I was trying to find this quickly so I could so I could mention this for the listeners. Their their opening game of the season was at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I do believe the score. If I do believe the final score, which will be interesting, I thought the fi- I thought I saw the final score of that game was so- where Mississippi State I think got in the sixties. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I think they really put it on. Uh, uh, Southern Miss. So, you know, I'm I'm saying I hope we get into the 50s. Um, you know, I, I think there's a pretty good shot at it, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how we get there. You know, will Lamar? You know, you know the record. Also, with the quarterback situation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting you know, to see how we play get, the quarterback game. Yeah. Will Amari get that 14th catch and set the reception record in a game? You know, how is the quarterbacks? You know, playing. Who's going to play? You know, does Coker look as good in the second game as Sims did, Sims did in his second game? You know, heck, at this point, which running back is going to get the first carry? Is uh, is is uh, you know, and who's going to be first, second, and third? Because we've mixed that up. So, I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff that we'll get to watch. And you know, you you know, barring 
barring something that we couldn't, uh, you know, predict, you and I are going to be there until the last tick. And, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping close tabs on, uh, you know, who all plays at uh, each of the respective positions. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's another big day. Absolutely, man. Look at, looking forward to it. Glad it's a later kick time uh, yes. because, uh, you know, that way uh, it'll be better for uh, for the fans and for the players. Yes, a night game in Bryant-Denny, you know, it's one of the best things I think you can do on a Saturday. So definitely look forward to that. Well, Tom, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Check us out on iTunes. Uh, in fact, go to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, we absolutely do appreciate those. Uh, and when we get uh, new authentic reviews, uh, we try to read them uh, over the air. So uh, definitely go to iTunes, check us out there, and uh, leave us a review. And check us out on Bama Hammer as well. We're putting together some written content as well as uh, our typical podcast uh, shows and show notes. And with that, roll tide. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, coach? Of course. Roll Tide.